I'm not a I'm not a green thumb person. But I can almost guarantee you that we we watched a video about corn. Yes, you're in the corn belt of Illinois. We have corn, okay? If you're visiting from out of the area, we have corn, okay? Uh, First of all, my name is Matt Griswold, and uh, I am the worship leader at Connection, and we're glad that you're here today. Uh, Our pastor that that normally gives the message is not here. Uh, I just want to give you a little a heads up, just a little bit of an information. Uh, for those of you that may not know, Mike has been in the hospital this week. Um, he is, uh, he's doing okay. He's home now. Uh, most of you know that he had a, a, his gallbladder removed a couple weeks ago, had some complications with that. Uh, anyway, he, he, t- he'll, he tells me to tell you he's resting and he's recovering. Okay, He's, he's at his house. He's cool, but he's just got to take some time to, to recover. So... Um, I'm going to be giving the message today. Now for some of you, you're saying, oh man, this is your first time to connection. I want to say welcome because, and I say this often when I get up here to lead worship and often when I preach, but I hope that if this is your first time connection, that you feel like it's family. Okay, because if you talk to some of the, some of the regular members of connection, they don't come here because it's some kind of club. They don't come here because we're a perfect church. We, we come here because... We have understood and realized that we are a broken people that can bring our pieces to Jesus. And He can help us. You know, I said a while ago, we watched this video about, about corn. And I'm sure that you guys have seen corn in the fields. And pretty soon we're going to have planters in the field and we're going to be planting that corn if the weather cooperates. And, and I know the farmers are going to be okay with that. But I told you that I'm not a green thumb. Okay? But I understand that that farmer... To get corn out of his field, he probably put corn into his field. If you can find somebody that would, uh, let's say, uh, turnip seeds are very, very cheap per pound, and corn, on the other hand, with the Roundup readiness and all this kind of, all this super science with, we got with seed now, if, if you could somehow put turnip seed in the ground and get corn, let me know. I'll be your agent. We will both be wealthy. <laughs> You're laughing. I'm not joking. Really, seriously. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> that would be a huge profit for those that don't speak agriculture. But I'm not a green thumb. Okay? I, I don't understand. My grandma is. If you want to talk about green thumbs before you leave, if you want some tips on gardening, talk to Bob Boddington. He can grow, I think he can grow tomatoes, from what I've heard, on carpet. Yeah, he can grow anything. Yeah, he can grow anything. He has a huge, elaborate garden. Uh, I talked to his wife today. She said, He's just ready to get out and start. If the weather keeps cooperating, he might. You know, I don't know anything about building a tire. I don't, physically. I don't. I've never seen it. I've never been inside a Continental Tire. But we have people in our, in our church today that could tell me the whole process and you the process and have been doing it for a long time. That's just not what I do. I don't, okay, you put rubber and steel and whatever else in and you get the tire out, Okay. You don't put plywood in and get a tire. Okay, we, we have to understand where we're going to go, where Paul's talking about in Galatians today. I don't understand how a trans... I, I know what a transmission does. Okay? But I don't understand transmissions like somebody like Mike Bradford. Okay? We have, we have people that are just in connection that are experts in their, in their field. Okay? And, and I know that some of them that I mention their name, they'll say, oh, I'm not an expert, I'm not an expert. Well... Now, to me, you are just drastically intelligent on that subject. Okay, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a green thumb, I'm not a tire builder, and I'm not a transmission. I can break stuff quickly. 
It's just the whole putting it back together thing that I don't get. <laughs> okay? I'm not, I'm not a green thumb. I'm going to go back to this. I'm not a green thumb, but I can tell you that this farmer put corn into his field to get corn out of it. Okay? In my backyard, I have a grape arbor and I have a pear tree. I guarantee you that they didn't plant the, the grape seed to get the pear tree and they didn't plant the pear seed to get the grape arbor. Okay? What we put into the soil is what we get out of the soil. Spiritually, it's the same thing. Spiritually, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Would we purposely, in our relationship with God, if we have one, if we're, if we're a believer, if we're a follower of Jesus this morning, if we have a personal relationship with God, would we intentionally fill our spiritual life with hate, with pride, with ego, with self-lifting up? Would we do that? I don't think anybody of, any of us want to, but I think that we're all guilty of that. And we have to understand that there are repercussions, what Paul says in chapter 6 of Galatians, is that he, you are going to get out what you put in. And what you don't put in, you don't get out. If the farmer doesn't put any seed in the ground, I can bet you, unless it's volunteer corn, he's not going to get corn coming up in his field. If you have a New Testament from the hallway, we're going to be on page 161. If you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. If you have a Bible like mine, it is on page 951. As we turn there, as we go there, I just want to pray for us. What I'm going to be talking, and I'm going to give you a warning. What I'm going to be talking about this morning is not easy for me to talk to you about because you've heard Mike say, when we prepare a sermon, guess who gets talked to about it first? It's not easy. It's not fun. Some of the things that Mike and I want to tell you, it's not fun to tell you because we know that it's sharp. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God to send His Holy Spirit who's already here because we've asked Him, and He's going to just prepare our hearts to hear things and to not hit the mute button on Matt because Matt is going to bring a sermon, not from Matt, but from God and what we need to hear today about our spiritual life. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for for being here today. We thank You so much for... uh, God, just your son, for loving us. For, As Tim said, God, I just thank you that you, you can do the things that you can do through a broken, wrecked guy like Matt Griswold. And you do things in this world through people that are in this building right now, and we're not perfect. We thank you that we have that ability. God, just send your Holy Spirit in here to mold our hearts and our ears to where we can hear what Paul is trying to say to these people. God, that we can just be mindful of what he says. In your name we pray. Amen. Say, so if you're, if, you're, if you're there with me, we're going to do this a little bit different. Okay, we didn't have a message map this morning, so what I'm going to do is if you have a pen, if your neighbor has a pen, if you have multiple pens, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to give you some things to write down. They're going to be on the screen. Okay, but we don't have a message map as such that we're going to fill in. Also, next week, this is the fourth Sunday. We usually do touch someone's life gift. We're going to do that next week. Okay, just, we're just going to push that back a week. In today's society, this is, what, this is what the world says. The world says, and you're going to help me with this. The world says, do what feels good. Perfect. Easy. It's easy to do what feels good. Okay, if I want to relax and uh, go fishing for an afternoon and blow off homework or blow off something else that I had to do, 
go do homework. That's, it's way easier to go fishing for me than to do homework. Do what we think is best. As believers, we need to seek to find out what God thinks is best. Not us. Not the world. So if you have a pen, go ahead and put the second screen on, the, on there. This is going to be in a worship handout. If you just have room, put this down. If you have a phone, uh, just punch it in, okay? You can get on a note thing, do that. But it says, how do I decide what is best for me or my family? Do I use the world as a measuring tool or do I seek God and His instructions? This is a hard question for me to answer. Okay? It was a very hard question for me to answer five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago. How do I decide what is best for me or my family? Well, the world says you do whatever feels good or whatever can get you the most success. You take the job with the more money. Okay? You, you work more hours to get more money. Do I use the world as a measuring tool or do I seek God? Because I'm going to tell you right now, those two things differ. The world and God have completely different understanding and concepts on how we should live our life. Let's get going in, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Paul's speaking here. He says, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, first of all, Paul is talking about people that he cares about. Okay? And when you talk about things with people that you care about, you can say things that are a little bit edgy. Okay? We all have those friends in our life. We all have those friends that, in our life that we can talk to that way, and we, we all have friends that can talk to us that way. Okay? Certain friends aren't allowed to do that in our mind, and certain friends can. But Paul is talking about people who want to be involved and be spiritually helpful. He's not talking about you. He's not talking to these people about getting anything in trouble, anything negative. He's talking, dear brothers and sisters. You don't talk about a brother and sister without you having some type of relationship with them that is healthy and good. He uses the terms in love. He goes on. It says, if another if another believer is overcome by some sin. Oftentimes in this life, if I allow God to, I will come in contact with someone that I can help that is either going through something that I've been through, or they're already gone through something that I'm going through. See, God doesn't have this mix and match game of who we run into in this life. God does everything on purpose. So Paul is saying, he said, he said if there's another believer who is overcome by sin... Someone that struggles with something that you're familiar with. You know, this is, this, this is Paul giving advice. This is not Dr. Phil. I mean, no disrespect to Dr. Phil, but Dr. Phil is not the Bible. It's not the inerrant word of God. This is not Dr. Phil giving advice. This is, this is the Apostle Paul who gave his life, in a sense, and he did pay with his life, to share the gospel. Somebody, someone having problems with addiction can often be helped by someone who has already overcome that addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, someone with anger issues is often helped with someone who has struggled with anger in the past. Paul goes on to say, he says this. He says, you who are godly and humbly, uh, who, I'm sorry, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Paul's talking with people that understand what he's talking about, people that have been in a place and they need to get to a place and they've worked with someone that gets what they get. We have to remember back to the seeds. You, get, you put the corn in the ground, you get the corn out of the ground. You put the beans in the ground, you get beans out of the ground. You do not mix and match. When the world says, oh, oh, we're, we're struggling, we need an intervention. No. 
The Bible calls us, who have been through this, not for an intervention, but to a walk beside. To a pick up. To a help them lean on you. And encourage. He goes on in verse 2. That we're to share each other's burdens. And in this way obey the law of Christ. What is the key to success? That if you knew the key to success, and there's many people on TV that will tell you they know the key to success, and they will charge you a whole lot of money to get that. If you knew the key to success on anything, you could make a lot of money. Here's the key to success in the spiritual realm. What God says here through Paul, he says, we need each other. We need each other. Badly. If I ask you to raise your hand, I'm not going to this morning. Within the last month, how many would say that they had a less than, a less than good week? Uh, probably everybody in here would raise your hand. That's something that happens. We have a less than good week. Okay? We have a bad week. Sometimes we have bad months, years. But we also, in that same month, probably could say, well, I had a pretty good week. When is the last time that you talk with somebody about your good week or your bad week? And allowed God to use you, like Paul's saying, to share each other's burdens. And to help each other obey the law of Christ. If you have a pen, I'm going to write this next thing down. It says this, it says, If I'm going to reap a harvest of godly things in my life, I'm going to have to plant godly things in my life. If you, ha- if you have a pen, this, this is a big deal. If I'm going to reap a harvest of godly things in my life, I am going to have to plant godly things in my life. You do not get peace, patience, kindness by putting in hate, anger, and envy. I promise. What goes in comes out. Paul is telling the Galatians that in order to see what God wants to come out of your life, you must put into your life what God wants you to put in it. It, it, seems, it seems simple. We all know the right answer. But when it comes to choosing that thing, some of us, and I'm including myself in this, some of us, we lie to ourselves. We have everything under control. Let's just not even imagine ourselves. You know that person. Hey, now the smiles come. Oh yeah, it's easy to talk about somebody else. Oh, sure. They think they have it all together. Hmm. We keep what we struggle with a secret. And when you do that, it affects you deeply inside. It's only hurting you on the inside. You know, Tim prayed a while ago when he was leading... And he said, he was thankful that God sent Jesus to the earth to die on a tree. So when he, and and he arose from the dead, okay, he conquered death, he conquered sin. And he overcame the world. What we don't like to look at, like we looked at a couple weeks ago, when we, when we looked at the, just the, just the audacious flogging of Jesus through the movie of the passion of the Christ, and I will tell you that that is probably the closest that we can ever see on a video screen 
But in reality, it probably wasn't close. But when when Jesus rose from the dead, we have to understand that when He was hanging there, first on the cross, God took everything that you have ever done and He poured it on His Son. Because Jesus died one time and He's not going to do it again because once was enough. But when Jesus rose from the dead, when God raised Jesus from the dead, He said these three words. He says, there is hope. To some of you in this room right now, you don't even know that hope, the word hope exists let alone the definition. You are in some kind of deep well. I've been there. Wow, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. You have no idea what I've, what I've been and done. I understand that pit that you, you can't look up and see light. I understand being addicted to something so much that I couldn't live without it for an hour. Okay, I get it. Okay, but when, when, when God raised Jesus from the dead, this is what he did. He, says, he said, there is Hope. I don't care if you struggle with pornography or anger. I don't care if you struggle with weight loss or self-esteem. Jesus, when he came out of the grave, said, there is hope because I've conquered it. But to get it, you have to put in what I tell you to. It's a recipe. I talked to a lady the other day. How many, just a show of hands, how many people have ever eaten a churro at Fairfield Taco Tierra? Okay, these are... Yeah, my people. Okay. (laughs) If you have never eaten at Taco Tierra, first of all, just go. Next of all, do not go there without getting a churro. I'm pretty sure they're going to be at the great banquet feast in heaven. I don't know this. I can't find this in scripture. Please don't quote me on that. Okay. But here's the deal. I talked to a lady the other day. We won. We won a volleyball game the other night, and the girls wanted to go celebrate, so we went to Taco Tierra. I told it was good. Okay. These kids want to go eat it. And this lady had a really funny story about the churro, okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a pastry, it has cream filling, okay? And they roll it in, in brown sugar and, or uh, sugar and cinnamon on the outside. And that's what it is. That's, that's it. It's like deep fried grease with filling. It's great. <laughs> so, so this lady said, the first time I ever got a churro, okay? And they're good. I've tried them, you know, not so long ago. Okay, they're good. They're, they're good. She said, the first churro I ever got we got, it, we got it through the drive through we turned, we went toward, back towards, uh, towards Wayne City, and we got about to Kincaid's. And she goes, I opened it up, and I took a huge bite. And instead of cinnamon and sugar, they had rolled it in salt. It doesn't taste the same. Now here's the deal with this. God says, here's the recipe. Okay, I raised Jesus from the dead, I conquered sin, there is hope. He said, but I have the recipe that you can't, This is the only recipe that works. It's me. You put me in, you get me out. Okay, God doesn't exist with, you know, He's not mixing up the salt with the sugar. It was so so defined in her mind what that tasted like. It was so wrong. She just told it with such detail. It was just worlds apart. But God says here, He says, there's hope. But if you're, if you're wanting the outcome, okay, if, you're wanting, if you're wanting the good churro, then you've got to put what I say into your life. If you want the good churro in your spiritual life, if you want the outcome that God said, this is how I'm going to use you, you have to put God in. You can't put turnips in the ground and get corn. We go on to verse 3. It says, Paul says this, If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. 
You are not that important. Paul is not condemning people here. What he's doing is he is addressing ego. Paul is not stating that anybody is insignificant in this passage. What he is saying is, first part of the verse, he says, that we all have things we can give. I talked about two or three different people in the beginning of this service that if I wanted to know about transmissions or gardening or tires, you can go to these people and I can, I can go to these people and learn more than I know now. Okay, Paul's saying the same thing. Spiritually, we all have things we can give. If the opportunity, if the opportunity arose and I came into, to, to a, um, into a situation with someone that they shared something with me and we happened to share that addiction that I've overcome, guess what? I can help them. Now, that's my choice. I've said this before. This is very, very important. You are not. Okay, some, some people that have been touched inappropriately, it is not your fault. You are not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you. You are not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you. But you are responsible for 100% of the time how you react. The world says get even. God says forgive. Different worlds. Different spectrums. In the recipe, the world says salt. God says sugar. Okay, it's, it's not the same. I have two girls, little girls, five and almost three. If Mary, my wife, was cooking on the stove, there's a boiling pot of water, and Emma or Lydia went up to do this, the first thing that I'm going to do is yell as loud as I can to get them away from that stove. If your child was getting ready to touch a hot furnace, I believe that you would probably do something of the same. If they were getting ready to put a piece of money in their mouth, you would probably do the same thing. If your child was running into the street, you would go get them or yell and stop, try to get them to stop. But what if somebody's hurting? In a metaphorical sense, spiritually, they are headed right for a road of destruction and you're just there. What if somebody's hurting? What if somebody's going down that road and they ask for your help? What do you do? The world says I have my own problems, I'll solve my own problems, I'll get my success through what I'm going to do. That's not the recipe that God uses. The recipe that God uses says, if somebody asks you to help, what would you do? God says this, he says, make yourself available. Oh, that's convenient. It's convenient, no. Okay, nothing in this world about meeting somebody for a godly purpose is very often convenient. This is not a brag on Matt show, but I, ha- I meet with a guy that he came to me a couple years ago and he said, he said, Matt, the only time I can meet, Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. I like sleep. And I said, is there any other time you can meet? He said, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's the clearest part of my schedule. That's when, I, that's when I can meet and I can meet regularly. I said, okay. And I'll tell you that because, oh, Matt's super, super Christian. What I'm telling you is, God said... Man, if you're going to help this guy, you're going to make yourself available, and it's going to be inconvenient. I've looked through this entire book. God does never, he never says being a Christian or a follower of him 
is a piece of cake. He says just the opposite. Jesus, tells, he warned, Jesus warns his disciples, he said, if you follow me, you're going you're gonna to die. They're going to hate you. We have to make ourselves available. What's the cost? Ooh. Oh, no, no. You're asking, to, you're asking me to help you. I don't, I, okay, we're going to lose convenience. You're going to lose time. You're going to lose effort. Not very often it's convenient. I get phone calls. Hey, can you talk with me right now? Man, I was really going to go uh, fish. Uh, can you make it quick? Well, I really need to meet. Fish are going to be there tomorrow. I don't think there's anything wrong with fishing. I like to fish. I like to do things outside. But we have to understand where Paul's coming from. To, to me, if Paul is stating this right here, the last, the last five words, he's telling, he's telling me through God, he says, Matt, if that comes up, you're not that important. You have to do what I tell you, what, what God tells us to do. And that's not convenient. We want it to be. Life goes beyond us. Our life is not about us. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I can go into, I can go into detail with this, but I, I want to share with you a subject. This church is not for you. I can take it really personal and say, this up here, it's not for me. It's to help us. But it's not for me. It's not for you. Because when I worship up here, it's for Him. But what we put in is what we get out. He goes on in verse 4, he says this. He says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. There it goes again. You're not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you, but you are responsible for how you react 100% of the time. Our conduct. We are each responsible for our own conduct. It doesn't give us a percentage. That means, yes, always. I'll talk to you about Emma and Lydia a little bit. If you take the, the, the character traits that I have in my life, and the, the things that fall short of what I should do, and some of the things that I struggle with come out, this is how it looks. If I want to stomp through the house and I want to get mad, okay, one, of my, one of my character faults is anger. And I want to get mad, and I go in my door and say, I just had about enough of this, and I slam the door as hard as I can. Some of us are probably door slammers in here. I don't need a show of hands. Door slammers. But if I teach my little girls that it's okay when dad gets mad, he slams doors. When he gets mad, he slams doors. When he gets mad, he slams doors. That's a cause and effect that is, that is physically put in their brain. When dad gets mad, he slams doors. If they see me get mad and slam doors, you who have children will see your children get mad and slam doors. You get what you put in. If I teach my wife, Mary, that when my anger gets out of control, it's okay for me to yell, 
what it says to her is, when Matt gets mad, he yells. She likely follows suit. If I have a disrespectful attitude at my job, chances are the people that are around me have the same attitude as I. It's, it's infectious. You know what I'm talking about. You go to work on a Monday. Everybody loves to go to work on a Monday. I can't wait to go to school tomorrow on Monday. Prom was last night. Everybody's going to be well rested. No. So I come, so I come in, and I just, uh, morning guys. No. <laughs> yeah, I understand there's days you feel tired, there's days you feel down. But what you put in is what you get out. Our satisfaction, what Paul says, our satisfaction comes when we harness what we struggle with and develop a new and better way to react. Example. If I calm down before doing anything like slamming doors or yelling, my children will see that. You don't think they pick up on stuff? When's the last time that you said something that you didn't want your child to hear, and within the hour you heard your child say it? Thank you for being honest. They are, they are the recipe, okay? They understand the recipe. What dad puts into me, it comes out of me. Okay, until they're old enough to make their own decisions, what I do directly affects my kids. Directly. But our satisfaction comes when I calm down and I don't slam doors and I don't raise my voice and I see Emma or Lydia get upset and they stop and they refrain because they've seen a model older than them teaching them that that's not the right thing to do. And it's tough. I'm a dad. I get it. It's not easy. That's the way that Paul says we can get a job well done. He goes on, on, uh, on, on the next screen. If you, have a, if you have a pen, this is a personal line that I use for my life. I am not the way that I want to be, but I'm better than I used to be. I hope you can say that today. Because when you say that, I'm not the way that I want to be. God knows I have so many things that I need to work on. But at Connection, we often show a video. If you're visiting with us, we often show a video and we say regularly, people in Connection that are practicing what God wants to do in their life, and if if they're doing the right recipe, we do not care where you come from, what you did, what you've done. But we are drastically and absolutely interested in where you're going. You don't believe me? Ask somebody that's doing mentoring. Ask somebody that's putting the Word of God into their life, using it. And I have a story about a lady in this church in just a minute about that. But I am not the way that I want to be, but I am better than I used to be. He goes on in verse 6. It says, Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. How about this? For those of us that understand what God wants out of their life, we should be different. I should not be the door slammer anymore. Okay? That's, that's, a, that's an issue in my life. Okay? I used to get mad. Five or six years ago, I would get mad. I'd slam the door. 
seven or eight years ago, I get mad, I'd yell at somebody. Okay, first didn't matter. First person, boom. First person I come in contact with. Hey, maybe you're like that. Maybe you know somebody like that. But those who understand what God wants from them should be different. Paul again is reminding us that those of us that are spiritually mature, or us that are followers, that we should give what we have. There are some people in this church that are 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. I don't know if there's anybody over 90. But until you breathe your last breath, you still have stuff to do. One of my most, most memorable things ever about connection is a guy named Guy Baker. You want to talk about give. He told me, man, and some of you know him way, way better than I did. But he came to me one day and he said, Matt, and he, he used this line. He said, I'm not, I'm not how God wants me to be yet. This gentleman was over 80 years old when he was telling me this. He said, I'm not the way that God wants me yet, but I'm better than I used to be. And he sat there, his tears flowed down his face. And he said, I was the guy that sat cold for 40 years in a Sunday school class. And I took up space. And he said, but I realized that until I breathe my last breath, God has something for me to give. So an over 80-year-old man, every Sunday, shook your hand and said, welcome to Connection. And he made up a, a, a line for the day. You want to talk about give. That's give. That's not convenient. There were days that he didn't feel well. But he gave an impression after impression after impression, after fingerprint, after fingerprint, after fingerprint was left in people here. That's called leaving a legacy. And, and Guy Baker is not Jesus. Guy Baker got it. He told me, he goes, I wish I would have got it way earlier. Tears flowing down his face. The world screams, do what's best for you. Do what's convenient. Do what gets you more money. God says, give what you have. The world says, get what you can. God says, give. If we don't understand about giving, I told you about Guy, but there's, there is a lady in our church that less than two years ago, I talked to her, she said I could give her this story. I could give you this story. Less than two years ago, she had absolutely no want to do with God ever. She didn't believe in God. She didn't think there was a God. She didn't understand God, if there was a God, and she wanted absolutely nothing to do with Him. She came to connection almost on a dare because there's some of her family that goes here. And she started. She sat in the primary center when we were in there. And she began to hear words as Mike would preach, but what she was hearing was God's words coming into her life, saying, I am real, and I am here, and I don't care where you've been, but I'm very interested in where you're going. And over a course of probably six or seven months, her whole mindset, I'm friends with, the, with her on Facebook, and it said, do not believe in God. Do not believe, okay, religious, you all have Facebook, okay. Religious things do not believe in God. Atheist. Okay? Does, doesn't have any affiliation with God. 
And over that six or seven months, I saw her, her, her self change. And it, it was crazy to see her come in every week. It was like she was just searching for another nugget of truth. Searching for, man, God really might be there. God really might be there. And she came expecting God to show up and talk to her. And on WBGL, less than two months ago, they did a, they did a campaign called Love Does. And all it is is doing favor for, favors for people in the community, paying for somebody's meal, uh, buying them gas, just doing something at, just out of love for them. And this same lady that less than two years ago said, I don't believe in God, <laughs> post on Facebook, guess what God allowed me to do today? I paid for somebody's meal behind me in McDonald's just to show them that God is real and that I love them. <laughs> That's the God that I serve. That's the God that says, if you want to suck out the things that I want you to get and put them in your life, I'm going to come out of your life like that. I'm going to come up and I'm going to show up to people that you're directly involved with and I'm going to affect them through you. Because until we take our last breath, God is not done with us. He goes on in verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Corn in, corn out. What you put in your life spiritually will come out. What you put into your children's life will come out. My daughters are taught at our house. And I know, my house looks just like yours. We actually live in our house. Okay, we're going to be honest here. We live in our house and we have two kids they can make an absolute destruction mess of our living room in about 34 seconds. But when they are done, something that Mary and I do is say, okay, Emma and Lydia, you play with this, you helped her play with this, pick it up. So we get to, we get to church, and I have a teacher come up to me and say, Emma and Lydia, just, they just pick up the toys. If you teach kids and, have some, and, and a kid does that, Hallelujah. If I can ask a high schooler to go to the office for me, it's an act of God. Okay? But I, we put in, okay, we, we, we physically put in instruction to respect people, to respect things, that we got to pick them up. All of a sudden they say, man, this is how we're taught at home. This is how we act right later. See, what we put in comes out. But if I teach them how to slam doors, and they get mad here at church and they run out of slam doors, Somebody's going to know that mom or dad at Matt's house slams doors. Good or bad, what you put in comes out. You cannot expect to put anger and spite and ego into something and get love and joy out. He goes on in verse 8. Excuse me. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, I love this, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If you live to satisfy yourself, and that is the road that I have personally been on, I'm going to steal Mike's line. If you'd like to hear about that, come buy me, buy me a meal. Take me out. I'll tell you. Okay? I have been on a road of self-destruction. I have been on a road of it's all about Matt. I'm sure that some of you can be very familiar with that. What was the result of me living for myself? Destruction. Death. Decay. It, 
you know, it's, we're told that God's word never comes back void. So if God says, if you live to satisfy yourself, you're going to reap death and decay and destruction. And if you go out and live for yourself, you're going to probably reap death and decay and destruction. If you live to satisfy yourself, things get destroyed. Relationships, families, your personal well-being, and even your future. If you, leave, if you live to please God, the rewards are eternal. Is it easy to give up? Sure. It's easy to give up if it's not convenient. As Americans, we're pretty spoiled. Pretty spoiled. I have a friend that's a youth pastor and they were raising money for a mission trip and in, a, in, a, in a church and his youth group was probably 15 or 20 kids and at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the youth hour, he said, hey, we're going to start taking up an offering at the end of the, of the youth hour every week and we're going to use that money to put towards our mission trip. Okay, no problem. Kids took up a little offering or whatever. One of his helpers came up to him and said, why in the world are you asking kids that are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old to give an offering? My friend just politely looked at them. He says, those are the richest kids in the world. We're spoiled. <laughs> the kids that run around in our schools are the richest kids in the world. Does it seem hard and unfair? Sure. But God reminds us to not stop until we, until we see the miracles. If you have it, you need to give it. Oh, that's hard. I like that thing. I've overcome that thing. I'd rather not deal with the issues again. Let me tell you something. If you've overcome something and you help somebody else, it continues your healing. It continues your healing. Every time somebody comes in my life and I can help them with something. Mary and I, before we had Emma, we lost a baby. It was not a fun time in my life. I could not take the hurt away from my wife. I had no idea how to get over this or get around this. And when we publicly made it known that we, we, had, we had a miscarriage, my grandma comes up to me. She said, hey, that happened to me. This is, how, this is what I did. We had people from this church come up to us and say, that happened to us. We had people that we were friends with at work come and say, hey, listen, that happened to us. And we've had people come up to us because they know that's happened and we get to help them. And it just furthers our healing. God puts us through things not so we can just bear it. Well, that's being a Christian is just hard. God puts us through things so we learn so we can pass it on. It's not for his good time. God says, I got a plan for you. Jeremiah 29.11 is one of my favorite verses on earth. God says, I'm not coming here to mess around with you. He goes, if you're going to become a follower of mine, I have a plan and I have a future and it's a good one. God, God never says that being a Christian is easy. He also said it's never fun. It's always, it's, it's, not, it's, not ever, it's not ever full of just bad. Okay? It's, not all, it's not all bad. God says, I'm going I'm to give you a good future, a bright future, a prosperous future. You got a grumpy neighbor? Hmm, eyes started rolling. Mm-hmm. Why don't you cook them dinner? 
Oh, I can't do that. I can't step out of my comfort zone. You don't know this guy. You don't know this lady. She, she or he, they're nuts. Heaven knows what they think of you. Don't stop acting kind to them. You got somebody at work that really gives you just a tough time. You guys just, you just kind of headbutt. It's like rubbing two pieces of 80 grit sandpaper together. Okay, it's not comfortable. Why don't you take your sandpaper away and put the love of Christ there? Buy them a cup of coffee. Ask them how their day was. You may not have any idea what they're going through. Don't stop giving kind words to the lady or the man at the grocery store checkout. My favorite place on earth to encourage somebody. Especially the ones at Aldi's. I used to talk to Daphne Reeves about Aldi's all the time. And she, I, I, I asked her one day, I said, do you have any idea how many cans or something that you just touched past that scanner a day? She was like, thousands. Every day. And I go through, I said, you know what? Every, every time I make a conscious effort, I said, you know what, thank you. You sit here and ring up sales all day. And the only thing that you give is bad news because it's how much it costs. <laughs> and I said, I just want to tell you thanks. Go to Hardee's. There's a, there's, a, there's a gentleman in there that I talk to every time. And I don't care if it's, if it's Saturday night at 10 o'clock or if it's Monday at 6 a.m. That dude is in a great mood. I said, you know what? You just brighten my day when I come in here. It is fun for you to wait on me. It's encouraging. We all like to hear that stuff, but it's not easy for us to give it out. Don't stop giving of yourself to make a difference. Paul was almost done with it, and he goes to verse 10. He says this, he says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. I ask you one question. What are you doing in the family of faith of connection? What are you doing? Are you seeking the opportunity to help? Are you showing your love in ways that are good? Or are you just kind of, well, I come in here and I check, I check church off and I sit here. Listen, I'm not here, I'm not here to jump on you. I'm telling you, that you're here, and we've seen people's lives change. I have, I have said this to some people. When, I, when I, I first came to Connection, like the 20th of September, the first Sunday that I played for an audition to lead worship, I lit, I'm getting last because you understand where I was seven years ago. Now, I literally cut out, Mike, help, Mike helped me, it, we, we had lyrics on pieces of paper that we handed out. And there was like 35 or 40 people there. And I can tell you, because I'm okay with this, and I'm not a perfectionist, it probably wasn't that good. It's very much different than what we have now. And I remember, I remember getting out of church, and I, and I almost ran to the car. I was like, Mary, this was bad, this was bad, this was bad. These people are crazy. They actually care what I think. They want to talk to me. This is weird. I said, I'd rather go back up, serve in the church where my dad's the pastor. I was leading an adult Bible study. I'd rather go up there where I was comfortable. Comfort gets in my way. 
And all the way up, two hours, one hour to Effingham, an hour over to Robinson, God began to speak to me and He began to speak to my wife. And we did not talk about it, other than I wasn't coming back and she didn't say anything. (laughs) Because she probably already knew. And I did too, I was just fighting. But we went out to eat with my mom and dad. They asked us out to their house. And I've shared this story with some of you. But some of you need to hear this this morning. My dad asked me, he said this, he goes, hey, what happens if you don't go to Connection and you stay here? I said, man, none of my friends get to serve in the church where their dad's the pastor. This is pretty cool. I just, I'll just soak up what you can teach me like a sponge, and whenever it's my time, I'll go lead a church of my own, and I'll pastor or I'll do something else, but this is just cool. Then he asked me a question that changed my life. Very calmly, my dad looked across the table and he looks at me right in the eyes and he says, okay, you told me about what happens if you don't go. Or he goes, you know, what happens if you don't go? He goes, what happens if you go? I said, well, I have to leave you and mom. And right after that question, he looks back, he goes, what happens if you don't go? What happens if you don't go? I said, dad, I get to, I get to be in church with you. He goes, no. He goes, what happens if you don't go? And I looked at him and straight in the face. And I said, if I don't go to connection and do what God wants me to do, I am going to probably miss out on the greatest revival of transformation in people's lives that I'll ever see. And some of you that have been in that journey with us have seen people like Guy Baker's life change. And we've seen people in CR's life change. I personally told you almost a month ago that celebrated 18 months, celebrated 18 months of freedom from an addiction that was an every hour thing, multi times a day. And we got that by people giving of themselves. We got that by me, meeting with a mentor once a week, sharing with scripture, saying things that challenged me. So my question is what are you doing? Are you in that? Because if you're in it, I can tell you that you understand what I'm saying. You get it. Last screen. If you have a pen, what you plant or what you put into your life is very important. We must remember that we will harvest what we sow. If connection is to be a a church where people come and can, can encounter God and their life changed, then we will continue to be not convenient in our life by giving. We will, we will continue to do things that are outside the box. We, are, we, will, we will continue to put things like popcorn and coffee in the same, in, in out here so we can create an environment. We will continue to do things that are relaxed and that are relevant. We will continue to give and give, and give, and give. And as long as we keep giving like that, God is going to say, watch me work. But we have to give. Because you can't put salt on a churro. You can't. You can. And it may look okay. Salt looks like white sugar. It may look okay. 
may not taste very good. I challenge you, you go out today, you go out for lunch, you be an encouragement. You go out to eat, that person that waits on your table, you say, hey, let me ask you if there's anything we can pray about. I have very seldom asked a waitress or a waiter and they not given me anything that I can pray about. Not very often. They're almost a thankless job. If you've ever done that job, you understand. But I challenge you to encourage, put in, what are you doing in connection? Because we have to remember that what we put in our, ourself comes out of ourself. Good or bad. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Dear God, God, this message is just, just an outpouring of what you want to do through Paul. He's talking to your people. And he's talking to us today that you want us to give. We're not done yet as long as we're on this side of the dirt. God, may we be an encouragement. May we give like we've never gave. May we be ever ready to sacrifice something comfortable to allow you to work, to allow you to move. I thank you for this opportunity. God, thank you for this church. I thank you for the people that take care of the kids. I thank you for people that write curriculum for those kids. I thank you for the people that vacuum this carpet, mop the floors, clean the bathrooms, fix popcorn and coffee, paint the lines in the parking lot. God, I thank you that you you still use connection to change people's life. I I just ask God that you just continue to do that. Let us give, God. In your name we pray. Amen.